It's a unicorn edition of the Boise Dev Podcast. It's been almost a year ago. We were 600 employees back then. Today, we're over 1,000. It's been a year since Boise's Cradle Point was purchased by Ericsson for $1.1 billion. Now, we're chatting with company CMO Todd Krautkrammer on what's next for Boise, for Cradle Point, and the tech ecosystem. It's part of Boise Entrepreneur Week on this edition of the Boise Dev Podcast. This is the Boise Dev Podcast. Here's your host, Don Day. Todd Krautkrammer with Cradle Point. Thanks for joining us for Boise Entrepreneur Week. Hey, thanks, Don. Great to be here. Great to be part of this you know, wonderful event. Yeah, you know, we're all getting used to the first year of it being Entrepreneur Week, and I'm trying to remind myself not to say Startup Week, but uh, I think it's going to be lots of good programming, so we're excited to have you here. Uh, Cradle Point's had a big year. Uh, you know, we've got some good questions, but just at the top here, tell me what the highlight of the last year's been. Well, you know, Don, and October 31st, Halloween Eve is the one-year anniversary of Ericsson's acquisition of Cradle Point for $1.1 billion. Now, being a Silicon Valley guy, that's what puts you in the, uh, you know, in the uh, unicorn camp. Yeah. Greater than a billion-dollar valuation. So we're, we're very excited by that. And, and lots happened, of course, in a year's time. If I were to summarize it, I would say that, uh, you know, the reason they acquired us and they they gave us a nice premium was they saw Cradle Point being the tip of the spear of their Ericsson Enterprise strategy. And it still holds true today. So you're starting to see a blend of Cradle Point talent help lead that out, help architect that. You're starting to see uh, some joint selling in the field. You're starting to see Ericsson have an impact on opening up doors that the Ericsson brand can open up for us. So it's lots of good stuff. You've got that uh, part of Ericsson logo back there. Tell me how this purchase right. first. Tell me how it pers- the purchase first came about, and 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 how did Cradle Point arrive at Ericsson as a partner? Well, it's it's a it's a good question, and of course, while it seems to the world like this just happened out of the blue, it seldom does. These types of relationships come together over a long period of time. In fact. Truth be known, back in the very early days of when Cradle Point made the shift to our enterprise and started to deliver enterprise class solutions, we actually had an Ericsson modem back when Ericsson was still in the modem business and not anymore. So the relationship even started back then, um, but it it really started in earnest probably, oh, uh, nine months before the acquisition. And I think to, to play it back now in a more logical sense, Ericsson saw that 5G this big, great transformation we're in the middle of right now is different than 8G that preceded it. And while 4G revolutionized the consumer internet on our phones, and we all take advantage of that, hailing cabs, electronic tickets when I board planes, ordering food, 5G was really all about business. And to really bring all that value and to give them the ability to fill the troughs that inevitably happen when you sell infrastructure, they saw an enterprise play as relevant. You have to be on both sides of the pipe to make 5G really do all the magic it's capable of doing. We sit on one side of the pipe. That's the enterprise end user side where we help businesses take advantage of the amazing capabilities of safe cellular networks. They sit on the other side of the pipe. They're the infrastructure delivers the network. So only stood to reason they had both sides of the pipe and they can innovate in unison. And uh, that's kind of the idea that, that born the acquisition. 
you know, it's been interesting to watch that space, to watch, watch Cradle Point. Uh, I, I was at a speech you gave about a year ago, or I guess pre-pandemic, maybe two years ago, and you talked about the name, and it was actually like a piece of equipment that you put your phone in, and that's where the Cradle and Cradle Point came, and then that whole evolution and now being part of this larger ecosystem. But it's all this Boise company, and it, it started in Boise, it's continued in Boise, the talent is here. When Erickson was weighing out all those factors and trying to figure out you know, or, sorry, really, it's 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 this obviously a whole lot of things that Erickson was thinking about. But what role did Boise play in that? I'm sure it wasn't the number one or even number two, but but in that no, lineage, it was um, obviously the value proposition of the combined company was number one, and uh, as it should be. But but they fell in love with Boise like like I've done, coming from the Silicon Valley, and like all of my peers and executives that have come to Boise or been born in Boise. And, and the idea of building this great tech company in Boise really became core to the Cradle Point vision strategy. Erickson came to appreciate that. They came to really understand what, what Boise had to offer. And like so many companies that have come here and established a footprint, uh, at the end of the transaction, they were very excited that Boise was part of the equation. And they've grown. Uh, I mean. It's been almost a year ago. We were 600 employees back then. Today, we're over 1,000. Now, not all happen in Boise, but a good number of them have been hired here in Boise, and, and they're all part of this Boise-based company. So that's, that's a pretty good testament to uh, their belief in the Boise opportunity. You know, it's fun to have this conversation for Entrepreneur Week because uh, we can talk about some of the, the nerdier things. And, um, you know, I was talking about how Boise Dev is a startup, right? I'm probably not headed for a billion dollar exit anytime soon. But um, as Cradle Point looked at its options, obviously ended up in the hands of Ericsson, but were there any other things that that folks there thought, boy, this might be an exit or this might be a path or what What was that thinking like? Well, you know, I, Don, I'm a startup guy. I've done, I've done five of them, two in public and, and two been acquired, one of which was acquired twice, which obviously the Cradle Point story. But I tell you what, it may look beautiful and well-architected from the outside. Inside, it's not always so clear. Uh, but the one thing that George, our CEO, really did well is he never forced us down a, a particular direction. He's always kept optionality on the table. And what he was always focused on is, I'm going to build a public class company. I'm going to build a company that all intents and purposes can go public. It has the right metrics, the right growth potential, it's run the right way, it has the right governance and structure. Because in doing that, the highest bar possible, we're going to have every other option on the table. And that was smart. You hear some companies that are built to be bought. And frankly, when you do that, you only have one option. And if that doesn't come to pass, uh, you're kind of left there holding the bag. And uh, I think that was smart on George's part. It's also worth noting, you've been at it five years. And uh, and we were at a 10. We were at a 10 years from the time we pivoted to the enterprise, which was kind of the beginning of the second wind. The time this transaction happened was just over 10 years. And that seems like a long time. And in fact, our strategy evolved dramatically over that time. But the average time liquidity for a startup today is seven years. It's not uncommon for startups to go through D, E, F, G rounds of funding before they have a liquidity event. And that and you put it in that perspective, uh, you know, we're really not that far off track. 
So this dovetails for folks who are watching that are in the startup or in the, just in the general, you know, I love the more broad nature of Boise Entrepreneur Week, right? Because it's not just, you say startup and people think of like Cradle Point or a tech company or uh, some of the other folks in town, but it's really for all sorts of businesses. For those folks who are earlier on that road, what are some of the key things that Cradle Point did that really helped build that solid outcome? Well, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, the old model of build to flip really was dependent on a vibrant, almost uh, less than, uh, uh, you know, less than demanding public market. That doesn't exist anymore. You got to build to last. You got to build real companies, selling real products, solving real problems for real customers. That's number one. And Cradle Point's always been focused on that. I think probably some of the hallmarks are number one, the culture we had in the early days, the culture we have today at a thousand people. Sounds easy, but it's really hard to do. And that yeah. culture has been a real touchstone for us employees, but it's also been a real attractant for people. Boise's been great. It's been attractive for a lot of people, but for people that are in the UK that aren't coming to Boise, it's the culture. They want to be part of it. So, so that's been something hard and takes a lot of work to maintain. The other thing that I'll say, Don, as I think back to what was key to our success is a good leadership team that works so well together as a good leadership team. Uh, our CEO, uh, George Mulhern, is famous for saying that uh, you either are hungry and humble or you will be. And, and that really defines a leadership team, smart, accomplished people coming from different backgrounds, but working very well together. And the third point that I'd say is we've always been willing to disrupt ourselves. Sometimes you really get wed to your vision, your model, yeah. and you think that that's going to lead you to the promised land. Over 10 years, very seldom does it. So you have to be willing to disrupt yourself, leave your old uh, beliefs behind and embrace new ones based on new data. And uh, in that pivot from consumer to enterprise 10 years ago, there was a whole bunch of little pivots along the way, not the least of which is the shift from hardware plus software plus services to a true subscription model, which happened in January 2018. Ripped the bandaid off, company flipped just like a light switch, boom. And that was a record year of revenue for us. Um, but those types of commitment to do what it takes to follow the market, it sounds easy, but it's really hard. You know, I, I heard you talk about that before, that that switched kind of that almost a SaaS model. I mean, obviously, it's not just 100%. that piece, but that that it's a big risk. And people are trying to figure it out. And they're trying to take those next steps. And I mean, that could have been the end, right? That could have been like, didn't work, went down the tubes um, and and on to the next, right? But that was a big company moment. Yeah. And so, I mean, inside of that, that sort of bet the company moment, I know you've talked about this before. What are those key things that made it work instead of going the other way? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One is commitment. Commitment to say, this is what we're doing. We must make it work. It's a bet the company moment. So all hands on deck, everybody on the same page. We actually called the project internally Victor because of the Victor goes to spoils. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, we literally, because I own organizational learning, we had training of employees on what is a SaaS-based subscription model. How is it different? So it's all in, number one. Number two is you do your homework. <clears throat> I mean, we, we hired an uh, outside firm. We did a lot of homework. We did a lot of analysis. So we, we had a pretty good idea what was involved. We had a pretty good idea what sat on the other side. It wasn't just left for chance. And the third thing is we executed. 
uh, we executed. Uh, we not only swipped, flipped the switch, but we launched probably more products in that first quarter than ever before in company history. I think it was four or five new products under the new model during that same period of time. So, so we all as a team executed. And those three things, commitment, do your homework, and execution, I think made the difference. You know, it's interesting to, to see that and, and, and hearing you talk about that bet the company moment. It, it's easy to say, it's easy to say in, in some hindsight, but people really have to um, have a lot of guts to do it when you're talking about something um, that is your baby. And obviously you're all invested. Uh, you've been there for a couple of years, for several years now. And, and Over you've seen five some- now. Yeah, wow. Uh, you've seen some pretty big changes there. What what for you has been the most fulfilling? Well, I tell you what's been most, and you would expect me to say this being CMO, but what's yeah. been most gratifying is the recognition of the leadership team. And George certainly had a lot, lot to do with this, but recognition that marketing matters and that marketing can make a difference and that marketing is part of the growth strategy. And to, to make investments, uh, not aligned with, the best marketing companies, but to, to make big investments for where Cradle Point was uh, to allow us to build a team and build demand capabilities and, and really tangibly contribute to revenue. Um, that, that to me, obviously, was very gratifying. I've been a part of building that, but I couldn't do that without the permission of the leadership team. And, uh, you know, there were probably other major moments, I think, the launch of our 5G solution. This may surprise you, Don, but Two years before the rest of us really knew 5G was a thing, Cradle Point started investing in 5G. We knew that was a, a moment in time uh, where the market would shift. We knew it was a catalyst. Uh, and, uh, and we invested millions of dollars well ahead of that, that product curve, which seems so obvious right now. Right, right, right. Go ahead of the curve. It wasn't so. <laughs> right. but, but we knew it. And uh, I think to some extent that played the acquisition, uh, you know, to Ericsson and to a large extent, here we sit today on our second generation of 5G products when most players haven't even launched their first. So that is kind it? of leap in the market is essential. What's the, it's the, the Gretzky quote that's like, uh, don't, don't chase the puck, skate toward the puck is going. 100%. And I mean, it uh, seems fact, like we, I think we've used that quote internally. Yeah, honestly, I might have been in your presentation that I saw, and that might be why it's sticking in my head. But but that's that's a big piece, right? Is being able to see that and 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 know that and not get stuck in now, but go to the next thing. Um, let's talk about Cradle Point and in Boise some more. I think uh, it's Boise Entrepreneur Week, so I think that's important. But do you think that we'll see? Similar types of events for companies here in the future, maybe not a billion dollars, but but heck, maybe. Do you think we're going to see well, more of this as we go possible. on? Yeah. So yes, I do see other companies doing. I think uh, Boise has a lot of the right stuff right now. Um, but as it relates to this transaction, uh, I mean, I belong to a, a a mentoring company of early stage software companies in Minnesota called Mesa Minnesota Early Emerging Software Advisories, and and the whole philosophy is that you got a lot of big companies that grow and they have events and you got a lot of smart people that ultimately want to go do something again. And you get this kind of regenerative process. And and that's vital for growing a community. It's vital for growing entrepreneurs here in Boise um, because every great entrepreneur needs to build great teams, need to have great funding, has to have great ideas. It's the combination of all those things that makes a durable company. 
And uh, you're going to get now a lot of experienced people coming out of Cradle Point at the right time, kind of giving back into the community, doing it again, and uh, doing it with a lot more experience that lets them get there, perhaps a lot more efficiently with less capital risk than they had before. And that's, that's what makes it all happen. You've seen, obviously, you guys aren't really directly in the in the fintech space, but you've seen this whole spate of um, uh, exits and activity with these Boise fintech companies in Count and in Clearwater and and even to some degree, uh, T-Sheets and Intuit. And now you're starting to see all those like second generation things that are coming out of people who may have been like, ah, I'm on the rocket ship with count. It got bought out by, and I'm going to try something else. Do you, do you see some of that maybe in, in the mobile space? Do you see people going, Hey, you know what? This is awesome. I'm going to try something different. Not that you want to let go of a single employee, but do, do you see more yeah, of that? You talked about committed. regenerative. But over the yeah. long term, I, I do. I do. That's just part of the natural process that happens. And you made a couple points. One is fintech. There's certainly been a center of expertise here. Congratulations to all those companies that have had exits. But yeah. Cradle Point's a network infrastructure company built on cellular. So to have now this other type of tech company, uh, have such a great outcome is very important to the diversity of the community. And yes, I do see that there are a lot of very smart people here at Cradle Point that someday may say, gee, I'm going to try this again with everything that I've learned and maybe do it better next time. And that's really important to keeping a, a, a vibrant entrepreneurial community. Do you think, you know, this is something I think about a lot with these companies. And I remember writing about about Cradle Point last year, and I got the news release, and, and I did one of these. I don't know if they'll edit me on camera here, but I did one of these where I was like, "Is that number? Am I missing a? Am I missing a <laughs> comma there?" And I was like, "Nope, that's that's uh, that's one point one billion." But I remember writing about that and thinking, "Gosh, would this have had the same outcome somewhere else?" And you can't tell me definitively, but do you think that 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 it happening here? That that long legacy of Albertsons and Orita and um, Boise Cascade and Morrison Knutes and all these legacy companies that really Cradle Point is now a part of. Do you think there's something different here? Well, I do. I mean, I, I'm a Silicon Valley guy. I've been born and raised here. And I'll have to tell you that uh, once you get out of the hyper hyped space like security and you get into the fundamentals, uh, you know, unicorns aren't that common now so it really is special but but yeah i do think it's part of the fabric of the community it's creating an imprint on the people here there's an entrepreneurial spirit uh and a risk-taking spirit although it's more of a measured risk and it needs to be um you're starting to see the support capital show up in town you're starting to see some of silicon valley and utah come up here and want to invest and that's part of the mix so you see a lot of the right stuff, but it starts with good universities that have a understanding of value of the entrepreneurial community, good entrepreneurs that get experience from companies and want to do it again. And then having some of those support services like capital available, when you get that potion together, good things happen. But there's a reason it's happening here and it's not happening in Kansas or it's not happening as vibrantly in Minnesota, where I'm from, Minneapolis, or it's not happening in Iowa, or it's not happening in Chicago to the extent that the excitement's here. 
because there is that that crucible effect of the right people, the right experience, the right motivation, the right risk testing, the right universities, and the right capital. Boise's got it. And I'm always trying to put my finger on that too. And and having grown up here and remembering the the days of of J.R. Simplot and Joe Albertson rolling around town, and and now you've got the you know you've got George and you've got all these other people. And I was talking to somebody with a VC firm here in town. I won't name them. You could figure it out. Um, but he made this point of like, you know what? People here have good work-life balance. I spent a year in the Silicon Valley and I went, there's not a work-life balance here. I mean, yeah. it, it's just, it seems like there's all these little X factors that come together and make things work here. No, that's absolutely true. I think um, I've been in Silicon Valley a number of startups and it's it can burn you out because there's yeah. not that work-life balance. And Boise seemed to figure that out. Give people work-life balance, but also create great things. Um, uh, you know, have the time to do great innovations. It's it's a good mix, and it's a sustainable mix, and it's a mix that's more attractive now than it's ever been. And and I think that is moving in Boise's favor. So, what excites you about the tech ecosystem here in the next few years? What well, are you one watching? thing is the conversation you and I are having is that. You know, there's a lot of places where it's kind of a cottage mentality where I can't share, I can't help anyone else. I need to lock down because what I know is proprietary. And if I let somebody else know, I lose an advantage. It's not that way here in Boise. We have Boise Entrepreneur Week, which is a free sharing, open environment where you're learning from companies that have made it, companies that are aspiring, companies that are growing, all sharing what we know, what we've experienced, what we've seen. That cannot be underrated, how important that is. I often tell people I'm in Silicon Valley, of course, and I can call any company, Facebook, Netflix. I can call my peers anywhere. They'll take my call. They'll spend time with me. We'll talk about what they've learned and how I can learn from them. I feel that same thing here, and I participate in that same thing here. And that, that's a rare thing. It's not a lockdown cottage community. It is an open, let's all grow this together community. I always talk about uh, I like to take a walk on 8th Street during the noon hour a few times a week because you run into people and have those conversations. And uh, that's not possible necessarily in other places where it still is here. And I think that those that closeness really does have an impact. Uh, I'm going to ask you one more question here. Uh, You talked about this growth from 600 people to 1,000 people. By my math, that's more than 50% growth in a year. I know you're the CMO, but I think culture is a big part of marketing, internal and otherwise. How do you keep what's made Cradle Point special working as you grow? Well, that's a really important question. First of all, you have to know what makes us special. And we know that our people and, of course, our culture, of which defines, uh, you know, people define the culture. It's not the other way around. Has been a magic piece of it. So we spend as a manager team a lot of time making sure we preserve that culture. So I'll give you a couple of cases in point. I mean, George still takes calls with all the new employees and shares with them the story of, of Cradle Point and how we've grown everything else. Uh, we still every week, uh, every two weeks now, have an all-hands call that is five, six hundred, seven hundred employees that are coming together for a moment in time just to touch base, share information, share news. These are all part of our culture that we've been able to maintain even as we scale. It's going to get harder, of course, but uh, but that's a big part of it. Um, have people 
feel like they're a part of it, that they belong, they have a voice, that they have uh, a place where they can come and do their best work, uh, and you're measured on that, um, that is very alluring right now. And I think it's part of the secret sauce of Cradle Point, even now at a thousand employees. Todd Kramer, CMO of Cradle Point. We'll leave it there on Boise Entrepreneur Week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Don. Really enjoyed it.